This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Hi, this is Julie Jessen, CEO of Gowan Company. We're a family-owned company operating all over the world, including Canada. On behalf of Gowan Canada and the Jessen family, we wish you a very safe and happy holiday season. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard, editor for Top Crop Manager East, and I'm speaking today with Sophie Krolikowski, acting cereal specialist with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs, also known as OMAFRA. So you've been acting as the cereal specialist with OMAFRA since March. How have you found it, and what have you thought so far? It's been amazing so far. I can't give enough credit to Joanna Follings, who is a serial specialist. She made it so easy to transition into the role and take over some of the projects she's been working on. So it's really been fantastic. I've learned so much over the past few months being in the role. My background is in more crop protection, focused on entomology. So Learning from all the great wheat growers that we have in the province has been amazing. And I'm really grateful to be in the role for the time that I'm here. Everyone in OMAFRA that I've been working with has been more than helpful to help me transition into the role. And I'm just blown away by their intelligence every day that I talk to them. So I have I have goals. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, hopefully you can find another place to fit in there. Yeah. So we're here to talk about cereal crops this time. So how was the 2022 cereal crop season overall? Sure. Maybe I'll start with talking about planting conditions and focusing on winter wheat. So 2021 conditions were really wet that year. So those that were fortunate enough to plant in September and early October were rained out and they really had to push their planting date into November And typically that's not really ideal for strong tiller and root establishment, but with the dry and warm spring that we had, those growers were surprised with how their stands ended up turning out. Throughout the year, I would say the summer months were really where we saw a big regional difference in weather conditions. So a lot of areas in southwestern Ontario were areas where there were a lot of drought, while out east and more central western Ontario, there was a good amount of rainfall during the season and those heavy drought conditions were really not a concern in that area. It seems like so long ago, but there was that derecho at the end of May. Did that have a significant impact on the regions where that happened? The concern with those storms would be lodging in wheat. So that's something that in winter wheat, we would have been around growth stage 30. So in the stem elongation phase, and the plants really weren't big enough for lodging to be concerned. That is to say, I haven't personally heard of any reports of there being any effects, but that would be regionally and yeah, not too, not too much of a concern. Okay, this is good news. Yes. (laughs) Were there any unusual or greater than usual pest and disease issues with the crops this year? There wasn't anything too unusual this year. There were the typical offenders, so aphids, cereal leaf beetle, and some reports of thrips and wheat midge. But in winter wheat, broadly populations were below threshold and were kept in check by healthy populations of beneficial insects. 
And these natural enemies are really highly effective at controlling pests. And for the safety of these natural enemies, chemical control is not really recommended unless pest populations exceed the action threshold. So I guess to break that down a little bit, for aphids prior to the heading stage, the threshold is 12 to 15 sterile aphids per stem. And then after the heading stage, it's actually up to 50, so five zero aphids per head, so a really high threshold. In terms of zero leaf beetle, control is warranted if an average of three larvae per tiller are found before the boot stage and one serial leaf beetle adult or larvae per stem warrants control after boot or prior to heading. But then again, also if significant feeding is taking place on the flag leaf in the early heading stages, we really wanna protect that flag leaf so control might become necessary. In spring cereals, there were some cases of high aphid numbers on oats in both Bruce and North Wellington County, as well as in the New Liskard area. And in those areas with high aphid pressures, there is always the risk of barley yellow dwarf virus. And there were a couple cases reported of that. But overall, in terms of diseases, this was generally a very low pressure year for Fusarium head blight as well and grain quality overall was pretty good this year. All right. Now, if barley yellow dwarf virus does happen, how should growers react to that? Yeah, it's something that can't really be cured. It's a virus, so only really preventative chemical controls are recommended to be applied, especially if your field has a history of aphid pressure. But another thing you can do is try to select a variety that would be more resistant to the virus. All right. Fertilizer has been kind of a concern this year. Have you seen any significant impacts on the crop this year? So in terms of fertilizer, not so much, I guess, in terms of supply, I should say. A lot of growers had their supplies in place ahead of time before there was a big concern about the rise in prices and supply. And this is especially true for winter wheat producers. But overall, there wasn't an issue supply. Excellent. And how was harvest? Overall, this year was really fantastic for wheat producers. So despite those dry conditions that I mentioned earlier, cooler nights in June and July allowed an extension of the grain fill period that translated to high yield. So overall, there was a good number of reports where producers beat their previous on-farm yield records, which is amazing. So I guess in terms of what the actual yields were this year, information from AgriCore for soft reds, it was about 100 bushels per acre compared to 95 last year. In soft white, we saw 101 bushels per acre, 93 last year. And hard reds, there's also an increase in yield from 96 and previously 87. So really great. And these are all above the previous five-year AgriCore averages as well. So it's really been an awesome year to be a part of. For spring cereals, so AgriCore data again, oats yielded about 60 bushels per acre and spring wheat about 53 and barley was about 69. So yeah, it's been a great year for cereals all around. Excellent.
And how has the fall planting of winter cereals, I guess, at least for the 2023 season, how's that been going so far? So it started off strong with those that harvested oats, edible beans, and canola ahead of time were able to get their winter wheat in within their optimum seeding window. Some other areas had later maturing soybeans that were delayed with the weather, but with the way that the winter has been going, I would say emergence overall has been good. If you're seeding outside of your optimum window and beyond your optimum date range, a map of the optimum dates can be found on the Field Crop News website or through OMAFRA publication 811. And it, should you be delayed with your planting, it's recommended that you increase your seeding rate by 200,000 seeds per acre for each week that you plan beyond your optimum date to a maximum of 2.2 million seeds per acre. For the next 30 seconds, relax and let your mind drift into calm thoughts. Don't think about farm management and how your books are a mess. Oh, you're totally thinking about numbers now, aren't you? Okay, then. Think about FCC's Ag Expert platform and how Ag Expert simplifies record keeping to give you peace of mind, no matter where you are. Unlock the power of stress-free farming at agexpert.ca. Is there anything new coming down the pipeline, such as products, varieties, regulations that growers should be aware of? Sure, I may actually take this opportunity to talk about the YEN program that I'm involved in a little bit. We just completed the first full year of the project and are gearing up for its second season in 2023. So this program is a cross-border collaboration between OMAFRA, GFO, the University of Guelph, Michigan State University, and the Michigan Wheat Program. And in the project, we aim to help growers close the gap between their actual yield and yield potential that is calculated through crop modeling. So we also collect agronomic and lab data to benchmark participants against the top 10% of growers in the program that achieved the highest percent of their yield potential. And in this year, we had over 90 participants from across the Great Lakes region and 50 of which were in Ontario. So we're hoping to increase that number going into next year. And registration is actually open as of last week, and it will continue to be open until January 27th. So if you're interested in registering or if anyone listening would like to register, you can find more information on the Great Lakes Yen website. And also, if you're attending the Ag Conference this year, we just recorded a really awesome panel discussion that will be featured as one of the on-demand sessions as a part of the conference. So definitely register to check it out. We talked to three of the participants in the YEN, including two of the highest yield and percent of yield potential winners in the program. And we ask them all sorts of questions. We talk about some of the yen data to get their perspective. And I think it'll be a really great session. Excellent. And links to anything that we've discussed, but especially those two things, will be available in the show notes. At a recent Canadian Weed Science Society event, there was talk of significant resistant wild oak populations in Quebec. Is there reason to believe resistant wild oak will become an issue for Ontario growers in the nearish future? 
I wouldn't say that there is a reason to believe that resistant wild oat will become an issue for Ontario growers. That being said, speaking to the field crops weed specialist, Mike Cobra, there has been an increase in resistance to group one and group two herbicides for wild oat populations. However, these populations are low and only detected currently in four regions of the province, including Dufferin, Gray, Wellington, and in Timiskaming District. Currently, there is work being done by Dr. Francois Tardif at the University of Guelph, a project funded by GFO to further investigate this issue. But I'll go over a few steps growers can take if they are concerned. And I guess I'll talk about a few of the preventative measures that can be taken. So the first would be make sure that you identify and test fields that are suspected to have wild oats. And you also want to make sure that any field that might have wild oats is harvested last. You also want to have a good sanitation protocol in place with a focus on cleaning the header and feeder house of combines between fields that are suspected to have this problem. So the Resistant Wild Oat Action Committee has a number of useful management resources at weedscience.ca slash wild oat action committee if anyone wants to do some further reading on it. I guess I'll end with saying that winter wheat fields are typically able to outcompete wild oats because they have a well-established canopy well ahead of weed species germination. However, spring cereals are where a potential problem could arise. So this is where planting early has an advantage, including frost seeding where possible so that your crop has a head start in outcompeting any weeds. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To hear more great research and perspectives from industry experts, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts or catch up on past episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.